Hi, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. Now today I have my 19-year-old daughter Imogen with me, as well as my husband Andy. And Andy's a school teacher. And very frequently I get asked the question, does your school teacher husband approve of unschooling? I thought maybe we'd chat about that question today, um, discuss a few other things. I've got a few questions down that I want to ask Andy during this podcast. I'd also like to talk about Andy's involvement in our children's lives. And I thought Imogen might be able to discuss that with us today. Now, if you've already listened to my podcast, Unschool Writing, Essays and a Few Panicky Moments, you will have already met Imogen. She is uh, 19 years old, a uni student. Uh, she's in her third year of a professional writing and publishing degree. But you won't have met my husband, Andy, unless, of course, you've read my stories on my blog and know him from those. So I'd like to give Andy the opportunity to introduce himself. Hello, my name's Andy Elvis. I'm uh, obviously Sue's husband and I met Sue in Birmingham, England from where uh, where I was born. I lived there till I was the age of 21, um, completed school, went to university, graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree. But age 21, Sue and I decided to get married. Unfortunately, with a young wife and a need to uh, support uh, her, I didn't follow my passion at the time with my degree and chose a career in sales. I stayed with the company for nearly 25 years in various sales and marketing roles until a stage that uh, the company restructured, found that they didn't necessarily need my position and I found myself, unfortunately, in a position where they uh, didn't, so I was surplus to requirement. So at that stage, I'd reached a junction, uh, a junction in my life where I was able to review my future and really see what would suit me uh, going forward from there. Well, you make it all sound very sort of easy, but it wasn't an easy time, was it? It's not very, uh, not very nice to find you out of work after living working with the same company for 25 years and then one day to find out you have no job to go to. It wasn't a very easy time to start with. Um, no, no. Uh, when you're being thrown on scrap heap at a fairly <laughs> young age, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a reality check. But in the end, there's far more to life than making uh, steel boxes and furniture. So really when you're placed in that position, other than that you have got to uh, put bread on the table, you really are then in a fortunate position to look and see what you'd rather prefer to be doing or is it something that you should have been doing in the first place? Yes, so it didn't take us very long, did it, to look at the situation in a positive light and decide that uh, this was your big opportunity to go out there and do what you really wanted to do. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I was really fortunate. It's just uh, one of those uh, moments where things start to fall into place for you and uh, you see another pathway that maybe wouldn't have presented itself if, if circumstances had been different. So then what, what did you decide that you'd really like to do? If you didn't want to be a sales and marketing manager, what did you really want to do? 
well, I didn't want to work with steel and bits and furniture anymore. Um, I mean, I did look at uh, going back into the workforce, but I was at, uh, at an age where that really meant that I would have to take a backward step. And if I was going to go that far back, I might as well retrain for something I was truly interested in. And uh, I'd had an interest in teaching. I hadn't taken that up earlier in life because it just meant I'd have to be uh, still in education at a stage when I was married and that, that that situation wasn't going to suit us at the time. Well, we all got together, didn't we, as a family, and we discussed uh, the possibility of you going back to uni, giving you an opportunity to uh, further your education and to do what you would like, and would obviously mean a lot of sacrifices all around. Do you remember that, Imogen? I do. I remember it very well. And so what did we decide? We decided as a family that it would be the best thing for Dad to go and retrain and do what he really wanted to do and follow his passion. So off you went to university and what did you find? Did you find it was very different from when you went to uni the first time around when you were in your 20s? Oh yes, I had to do more university work this time. I certainly worked harder the second time around and it was different. I mean, when I first, when I was fresh out of school, I didn't know anything else, but uh, university is a completely different environment. This time I was the old man in the lecture theatre and then I had to keep pace with people who are you know, more, more than half my uh, half my age and it's uh, it meant a completely fresh approach well when I was, we were at uni I remember the university had one computer uh, we didn't have personal computers and I do I don't know if you remember I had to access that computer to get some uh, experiment uh, experimental data and I don't know what I did, but I ended up with reams and reams and reams of paper spilling out of the printer. And that was the one and only time I was ever brave enough to go and use the computer. So it was something very foreign to us all those years ago. But now um, uni relies totally on computers, don't they? Oh, that's right. That's right. I mean, I've been fortunate at work. I'd, I'd had some I'd had some computing um, skills and acquired some skills, but not, not for education. And yeah, I can remember going to university when the computer was as big as a house. Um, so it's it it meant a completely a complete sea change for me. Yeah, I remember one day I came into uni with you. I don't know if you were returning library books or putting in an assignment or something. But uh, we had a cup of coffee in the coffee shop and I remember sitting there watching all the students go by and I thought to myself, I could never do what you're doing. Go back to uni, learn a whole new system, uh, be with all these young people when we're middle-aged. And I really had tremendous admiration for you because you had adapted yourself so easily. What do you think about having a uni student father? I was very proud of him, actually, because not too many fathers I know actually go back to uni and go through all that again, especially when there are so many young people in the same course, and go back to the study and the assignments and deadlines and everything that instead of being at work. And I was just very inspired by, by his actually going to do that. Well, do you remember um, you, you did the uh, course which was it your, your master's, wasn't it? You'd already done your bachelor's uh, degree and this was your master's degree, which you were doing in 18 months. And you remember when you finished and we got a letter, or, or maybe you, was it a letter or something online to say that uh, you were on the dean's list? 
and we didn't know what the dean's list was. You read it out to me and said, hey, Sue, I'm on the dean's list. And we had no idea what that meant. And you did a little bit of research and found out that you had your marks had got you into the top 10% of the of all the students. And you one of the um, clever ones there you, up there in the top 10%. And we laughed, didn't we? We couldn't believe it because we didn't even know that there was such a thing as a dean's list and you weren't actually competing, trying to get onto this list. But that wasn't the end of the story, was it? A few, was it a week or so, two weeks or so later, you got another letter saying that you had actually won the dean's medal, which meant that you were in the top 2%. And that made us laugh, didn't it? Because we didn't think, we didn't believe it. We thought they must have the wrong Andy Elvis because uh, it just didn't seem possible that, that you'd uh, done so well uh, going back to uni uh, so late in life and not actually trying to compete to get anything. You'd just gone and done as be the best you could, which turned out to be absolutely wonderful. And do you remember the night that we went to collect your Dean's Medal? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, yeah. Short of trying to work out what a dean's medal was, um, uh, it, it was just if you're going to do something and follow uh, follow something you're really passionate about, well, then things will you'll naturally do well. You'll do well. You'll succeed because it's genuinely something you enjoyed. I, I, I'd sat in that lecture theatre many, many times for uh, for a particular subject, not not the most enjoyable subject of the night, but. Uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, one uh, amongst quite a quite an elite group of people receiving various awards. That's uh, very strange. And I think that you make a really good point there. That if um, our children are interested in something, they're going to do well, aren't they? Because it's totally different to having to go through the motions because it's what's expected. You really want to do that course, and if our children have interests they follow, they're really going to want to learn too. So they're going to do well. Well, it was something I'd not followed up earlier. Um, I, I probably would have had the chance when I was in my early 20s, but circumstances and probably my own inhibitions didn't let me pursue it. So I'd, um, I'd, I'd recommend it now, yes. If you're really interested and it's something that you, you're very passionate about, then that, that's, that's probably your chosen path. So you would uh, encourage your own children to follow their interests? Yes, I mean that's that's the core of the of the of, uh, homeschooling that uh, the children are following what they're genuinely interested in. Well, more specifically, unschooling or unschooling. That's right, Imogen. Tell us about how you felt about Dad getting the dean's medal and following his interests like that. Well, in the first place, I was kind of shocked about you know his getting the medal. Not that I didn't think he was clever enough, because he definitely was. It just didn't even know that there was a Dean's Medal and to have my own dad get the Dean's Medal was very, I was very proud of him. Oh, we were, we were all very <laughs> proud, weren't we? After we could get over our laughter because you remember when we went to that night and just Andy and I went to the ceremony uh, one evening and we joked all the way there that they were going to, uh, that you, they were going to tell you at the last minute that no, it wasn't you after all that was getting the Dean's Medal. They'd made a huge mistake and we, we walked up to the reception desk uh, in fits of laughter and you gave them your name and they gave you a badge. Yes, they were expecting an Andy Elvis and we sat down and it wasn't really until you got up and, and were presented with that medal that we actually believed it, did we? That's right, I was in. As soon as they gave my name, I was in through the door. Yeah, we yeah, take the medal and run just because they changed their minds. Yeah, yeah. And so... Where's that medal now? 
Uh, it's sitting in my drawer. <laughs> it's as big as a coaster. It's not one that you can really um, put around your neck too, too, uh, too often. It's a big piece of blink. <laughs> so I don't think I've even looked at it properly. I have to get it out and make a, uh, take a photo of it. So what can we ask you next? How about that question? Does your husband approve of you unschooling? Of course, you're a school teacher and we're unschoolers and that's two totally different worlds. Would you agree? I would agree. But I mean, we were homeschooling well before I was a teacher and I agreed with it then. Um, I don't see that my views would change with uh, with me being a teacher and uh, my my views on unschooling would be the, the same. I, I, I fully support you and uh, and I and I I always support the children in what they're what they're learning and um, and what they're doing. So you didn't go off to uni, find out how you're supposed to school children, come back and say, "Hey, Sue, you're doing it all wrong." I've I found out that uh, I'm an expert now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not an expert. No, no, I'm not an expert. But it's it, no, I didn't. Uh, and uh, that I can I can live quite comfortably with the two the two different concepts. I'm sitting here being a little bit amused at a memory uh, after you got your degree and then someone came up to me, I think more than one person did, and said, oh, isn't it wonderful that your husband now has a teaching qualification? He'll be able to uh, help you with your homeschooling. Uh, It made me really laugh because I thought, well, I've been homeschooling for years and years and years without you being a school teacher, and now you've got a qualification. uh, So all of a sudden it's going to make a tremendous difference to my ability to homeschool. Uh, it just really amused me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've really made a, uh, an enormous change to your, home, your unschooling. Well, I think that you do make an, an enormous difference to unschooling, but you were doing that already. The uh, actual official qualification to be a school teacher made no difference whatsoever. Which brings me on to the question, do you think that uh, mothers who uh, don't have educational qualifications are qualified to teach their own children? You've proven yes that they that they, that they do have and and they've got they've got that choice and it, it's uh, it's a legitimate choice and they're they're more than capable of uh, of homeschooling or unschooling their children um, and uh, giving them a, a a full and fruitful education. I know that schooling and unschooling are totally different and they they have different uh, places in your life, but. I also like to think that not everyone's going to homeschool, not everyone's going to unschool, but there obviously is a need for school teachers because because of that. The world does need good teachers. And I reckon you're a good one. What do you reckon, Imogen? I think so. Now, Dad said, how do you know I'm a good teacher? Well, I don't sit there in his classes and I don't see his students, but I do take note of... uh, all the work that you do to for preparing your lessons and we talk about things and I know that you really care about your students and you do your best to make your lessons as interesting as you possibly can, which must be difficult sometimes uh, having to work within the structure of the school system, but I reckon you do a great job. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I, I try, that, I try hard. No, I'm not going to send our kids to school, but if I had to, I'd send them to your class because I think that you'd care enough about them to make sure that you got the best out of them. Well, I think that's the key to it, that you've got to care for, care for your children, whether they're, and obviously uh, unschooling means that they, people do care for their children and, and uh, uh, are very committed to their, their children's education. 
Well, perhaps we can talk now about um, your involvement in our children's lives. We'll leave school and we'll talk about our family. Yeah, this is some things for Imogen too, I think. Go on, Imogen, tell us what role you think your father plays in your life. Uh, d my dad plays a big role in my life. I mean, he's great inspiration to me, especially, you know, following your passions. It's big. That's big thing for me. And he's also... We also do a lot of stuff together, so he's um, a bit of a companion as well. I mean, we, sh we share a lot of interests and a lot of passions. We have a passion for music, which is a family passion. And we're also, we also are interested in sport and exercise. We share that. We, we share a lot. Let's go back to the music. Now, you, you, you sing, don't you, Andy? I do, yes, yes. Um, I'm in two choirs. Um, don't sing that well, but... Oh, you I'm had some really... music lessons, some singing lessons. I have, yes, yeah. No, it's certainly made a huge difference, yeah. But, I mean, the, with the music, it's one of those things where we've been able to really connect with, with, with my children um, in one of the choirs. I was just driving Imogen and uh, my son, Callum, to the... Uh, choir practices but I was really fortunate they said well dad's just waiting outside can dad come and uh, audition for the choir and somehow I managed to make it through but it's uh, it means that it, your relationship is different with your children in that it's not uh, it's not necessarily a father-child relationship you just build up a real friendship um, and you're both following a, uh, a similar uh, interest. So you think it's important for fathers and mothers, but we're talking about fathers today, to share, have common interests with your children? Well, I think so. Uh, given that most fathers are spending a lot of time away from their children and aren't as involved in unschooling as uh, as, as mothers are, it's very important for, for fathers to, to pitch in and help. And one of those things is to is to, to get involved with your own children. And do you get? Some, I know that you spend a lot of time in the evenings uh, taking the kids places, things that I don't have to do because you volunteer to do them, drive them to various uh, things. But as the years have gone by, instead of just driving them, you've actually started to get involved with them and get, uh, go in and do the activity with them. Yes? Oh, that's right. And now I don't even have to do the driving, if I'm uh, fortunate enough. No, because they can drive themselves. You just be the passenger and yeah, go off to choir practice together. So I really enjoy watching you and Callum, Charlotte and Imogen singing as a quartet. And it just so happens that you can all sing a different part and uh, work together as a little family group. Um, do you enjoy that? I do enjoy it. Yeah, I I don't know whether I bring that much to it, but it, it's just it's just a way that if that's a, a an interest, that's it's actually getting involved in the way they're developing. I, I'm not I'm not shaping that development. I'm just being part of it. It's, I'm I'm along for the ride. Um, but it's uh, it certainly makes uh, things a lot easier with your children if you're involved with them. So imagine you said something about running there. Did you? Yes, yes. We, sh we share an interest in exercise. So it's been the school holidays and Dad's been home for two weeks. So one of the things we've been doing is you know, going out exercising together. And even that, it doesn't sound, you know, that much fun, go out, have a run together. But it's a real family building kind of thing. You go out, do your own best, you compare, you compare how you've done, you congratulate each other. And it's just a great thing to do together. It's one of those things, I think, where your parents can't just say, oh, go off and do this. I want some healthy teenagers. Uh, teenagers, off you go and make sure you exercise. 
that we all go and do it together. Do you think that, that makes a difference? It does because it's not just something that you're being told to do. I mean, it's also it's also you know very motivating. My dad can run this far. I've right. I've got to run at least as far as he can. <laughs> the but, whole competition. But also, you, we all know that. Uh, We've, Dad and I have had our challenges too. You know, we weren't always runners. So we're all striving, aren't we? Oh, yes. Yes. And we, it's a, a good, I guess, an example of uh, pushing yourself. I was often talk to Sophie about this, about if you want to be good at something, you have to keep pushing yourself. And uh, um, even when it gets very difficult, and running, it does get difficult at times, doesn't it? It does. And it's so easy to lose your fitness. What I really enjoy about running is those days when we decide that we're going to go into town and run along the, the bike tracks or, or go to one uh, somewhere different down the, some new bush tracks. Just go somewhere different for a run. What do you think? I think that's great because it's definitely doing more also – Apart from the change of scenery, it's more of a family group activity as well. It's almost like the morning runs down the road are our training and then we train to go for a, a bigger run somewhere else, isn't it? It is. And have a picnic and make a day of it. And I think that we'd miss out on all that if Dad and I weren't involved with you, wouldn't we? Yes. Okay, well, tea. <laughs> Can we talk about tea? Oh, tea is an integral part of, uh, of uh, the family life, yes. <laughs> we have... Uh, we have a tea lady in the house, Charlotte, whose primary function is to make gallons of tea. And while that might seem a, a, a bit of an idiotic thing to uh, to talk about, is it's not not necessarily the the making of tea, but it's 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 spending time together, um, sharing the tea. sharing it. But it's where it is, and and uh, certainly not the frequency. But the it's just those moments it, when you are spending time together, then. We're really getting a family unit. It's not a case of children off you go, seen and not heard, and preferably not heard. We're building a family unit, and so we all we're all learning off each other, and we're all spending time to with each other. Perhaps I should explain the tea a bit better. <laughs> or every evening, isn't it? After dinner, someone will say, "Charlotte, are you going to make the tea?" And she goes and puts the kettle on, doesn't she? And she brings out so many cups of tea, and everyone gathers around together and drinks the tea and chats and. Uh, what else do you do? Watch things? Watch the sport, watch a movie, just talk, spend yeah. time together. Chill out together. And uh, yeah, various cups of tea during the evening to keep you going while you do all these things together. Quite often I'll go off to bed and leave you and uh, Andy and the the big girls up sharing time together, won't they? You'll be watching the football or, the, or what else do you like? Oh, it's just good family time. It's good family. It's 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 a do- a, a father daughter time, and, and uh, these kind of things are are important. You've just got to have all facets of the family able to get on with each other. So, and I know that uh, you spend a lot of time with Callum with doing car stuff, and you sing with him, and obviously you've got uh, things of interest to share with boys because you're a boy yourself. But what I like to see is you with your girls with them hanging, you know, sitting next to you and they like to cuddle up even though they're older and link arms as we're walking around the shopping centre. They're not embarrassed to have you as their old dad. No, no. Well, that's, uh, not, not so much of the old, but I'm, <laughs> I'm still dead. Well, that's not the case with all children. Do you think, Imogen? No, I don't think it is. I don't think all teenagers have the same sort of relationship with their father that I do. And why do you think that, how do you think you've got this close relationship with your father? I'm very lucky that my father doesn't mind spending time with me. It's a big thing. I mean, 
he could just say, go and do your own thing. And then I wouldn't be able to build up a friendship with him. But we do so many things together. We share our tea and our music and <laughs> you'll sing. Yeah. So we're just, we're just basically friends. So he's an important person in your life? Very important person. Now, I think this is really funny, but uh, when um, Felicity, who's our eldest daughter, who's 27, when she announced that she was getting engaged, we hadn't met her intended because he lived on the other side, well, he still does, on the other side of Australia from us. She said, oh, you'll love him, Mum. He's just like Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that's too imaging? Um... He looks like Dad, doesn't he? He does look like Dad. I don't know him very well because I haven't met him that many times. It's a long way to the other side of the country. But he's certainly a very nice person like Dad. So it just struck me as very funny that she thought she'd chosen somebody that was just like Dad. (laughs) And actually at the wedding um, reception, that was remarked upon that uh, he looked like your son, not... (laughs) (laughs) What's there not to like? That's the thing. (laughs) So we can see that you're humble as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A shrinking violet. <laughs> well, I think that's all I wanted to talk to about today. Thank you, Andy, for uh, talking to us today, sharing your experiences as a father and as an adult learner. I'd just like to thank you, Imogen, for joining us yet again. Um, I'd just like to thank anybody that's listened all the way to the end of yet another podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and I'll see you next week. Thank you.